0: You're listening to Journey by Faith, the official podcast of Faith Bible College in Norfolk, Virginia. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Here we go. Welcome back, everybody, to episode two of our first season here of the Journey by Faith podcast, official podcast of Faith Bible College. Uh, Dr. Newman and I are here together again to keep going through Genesis. So last week we got through an entire two verses. Uh, so this week we're going to try and get through six, possibly. We're going to try and get through Genesis 1, 3 through 9. We'll see if we have time for more. Uh, my favorite part about this is just we're just here having a chat about Genesis and we'll see where it takes us. So how are you doing today, Dr. Newman? I'm doing all right. Thank you. How about Absolutely. Yourself? Yeah. Doing great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great day. Good. Good. So we are on verse 3. And one of the most famous, I think, uh, words of God—the some of the first words we hear from God—are "Let there be light," and there was light. That is great, great news. So God yeah. speaks a new word, and it happens.
1: Yeah, and you know, last time we talked about the different cosmogonies that are out there of different people groups, and you know, one of the things that sets Genesis apart is that God does all of this by speaking, yep. not molding and shaping, but just speaking things into existence. And that, that's amazing. And, but you know, the thing that gets me the most here is that the same God who spoke the worlds into existence would call us out by name. And speak our name and make us yes. belong to him. And that's just uh, an incredible thought to, to yep. have there. So God spoke, let there be light, and there is light.
0: Yes. Yes. So I have always seen these first three days, I don't, I say always, uh, as I've studied and learned and grew, I've understood these first three days to uh, be solving the issue that the, uh, world was formless. All right. Is that, do you think that's true?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, again, as we saw in verse two, the world was without form and void, uh, your, your favorite Hebrew words, tohu wabahu. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but so now in these days, God begins to form things and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll fill it out later on, but now he's, forming it and making the the world the universe the earth uh exactly as he wants it to be and one of the things that's interesting here is that you know we're told god said let there be light and there was light and god saw that the light was good and yet as we work our way down through this chapter we find that it's not until the fourth day that God creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. Mm-hmm.
0: And so right.
1: there's light without the sun. Yeah. And God is the uh, transmitter of that light. God is light. And we find in the book of Revelation that when it's all said and done, uh, there'll be no sun. Uh, yeah. In eternity, because once again, God will be our light. And, and I a just light came to mind when you said that. Yeah, that. Revelation
0: 21, 23. Yeah.
1: Yes. Thank you. Uh, a light as such that there's no shadows. And yep. that's just, again, incredible because the light of God permeates all areas and nothing can be hidden from him. Yep.
0: That's pretty Notice awesome. Notice all through here. Now, go ahead. I was just saying, that's awesome. Yeah, I was when you mentioned that there was uh, no sun and that God, w- light itself emitted from God. Yeah, and then I thought about Revelation. So we have this time period right now where we have the sun, <laughs> you know, in between days four and then Revelation. And uh, other than that, God is the source of light. And I think, yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, we even see that again in John chapter 1. In him, Christ was the light of the world. Uh, yep. And so over and over again, we see God being light, and God calls the light good. Notice something else here. In uh, verse 5, we find that uh, he calls the light day in the darkness night, and there is evening and morning the first day. Um uh, that tells us, if we read between the lines here, the fact that there's evening and morning tells us that at this point, the earth is already rotating. So, hmm, yeah, the earth has begun rotating on its axis, even though there's no sun or moon to, to hmm. provide the light, just the light of God.
0: Wow. Yeah, I'd never thought about it that way. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. So if we move on, uh, verse 6, uh, we're told, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. Yep. We come here to what is referred to as the canopy theory. Right. The, the canopy theory states that what God created here was a canopy of water, or ice, if you will, uh, above the earth, and then the waters on the earth, and in between them is this expanse, this firmament that separates them. Now, you know, a lot of people might wonder and say, well, what was the purpose of that? Well, uh, it's actually very interesting. Because what we find is this canopy that surrounds the earth produces what we might call a greenhouse effect, Mm. which means that it's kind of like a self-contained terranium, meaning that there's no rain and there's no wind. And so, Mm. you know, later on, when we come to chapter six, we see God sending rain to flood the earth during the time of Noah and that it had not rained prior to that. And here's the reason why, because of this canopy, there is a mist that develops every day that waters the earth rather than rain. Um, The the other thing is that we get the idea that at this time, up until the flood, the world is, uh, like I said, kind of like a greenhouse with a lot of vegetation. Mm -hmm. The problem isn't that there's deserts for Adam and Eve, but, you know, in their struggle to keep the earth, but too much vegetation that just keeps growing and growing. The, The other thing about this canopy is that this canopy of ice would have blocked ultraviolet rays from reaching the earth. Right. And we know that it is UV rays that cause, causes aging. And so uh, without the UV rays hitting the earth, things would have aged much longer. Not only plants and animals, but people. And wow. so, you know, people wonder, well, how could somebody like Methuselah live to be 969 years old? Well, it's because of this canopy. Uh, It also explains how after the flood, Noah begins to drink wine uh, and he gets drunk. And we say, well, how can this godly man get drunk? Well, uh, because, again, the UV rays, which are now reaching the earth, are now fermenting those grapes and making alcoholic wine, which would not have been before that. But if you think about this here's something that's even more amazing mammals have a growth limit and so we're as mammals going to grow so much and then that's it but reptiles continue to grow until they die Hmm. and so if people are living hundreds of years imagine how long reptiles are living and uh, continuing to grow. Now, right. for the longest time, scientists told us that dinosaurs were reptilian in nature. Right. Now, there are some that think that you know the dinosaurs turned into birds, but yep, there, there's that. no evidence of that. But um, again, it explains the size of the dinosaurs. Uh, in, in the ancient world. And so while the Bible may not mention them specifically, uh, this canopy allows for that to take place. One other point about the canopy is, is that some critics have said when it comes to the flood, there's no way that it could rain for 40 days and 40 nights because there's not enough water in the atmosphere Mm. to, to produce that kind of rain well that is true today however this canopy when it breaks up would provide more than enough water to rain for 40 days and 40 nights non-stop and continuously so this canopy that god makes is a pretty phenomenal and uh, something that was needed for that time frame uh, in the ancient world and does explain quite a bit, uh, not only that, but science has told us for years that there was an ice age. And right. of course, yeah. with the removal of the canopy, uh, that would bring about, uh, naturally an, an ice age, which would also, uh, kill off many species. So, Uh, This canopy that God clearly tells us about, this expanse, this firmament uh, that he calls in verse 8, heaven, uh, is that canopy that produced all these different effects uh, back during the primordial world, I can't even talk. Sure, yeah, Uh, I
0: understand, uh, Yeah. yeah
1: the ancient world. So uh, again, you know, people say, well, the Bible and science don't fit. Well, they do. If you read the Bible correctly, and you allow science to fit what the Bible tells us,
0: right? Right, Not the other way around. Yes, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a note here about the word, uh, word heaven. Uh, Heaven can mean three things. Heaven can mean the uh, just the skies. Uh, which it likely means here. Heaven can also mean like the place where the stars exist, and then heaven can also be God's realm. Do you think that's right?
1: Yes. In fact, if we go back up to uh, to verse 1, we find that he creates the heavens. It's Mm -hmm. plural, not heaven, as we find here in verse 8, referring just to this expanse. But the heavens, and you're absolutely correct. uh, The atmosphere, the universe, and then the dwelling place of God, as we might call
0: it. Right. So, yes. Okay. Great. Yeah. So I I'd learned I'd heard the canopy theory before, but there few I'd never heard the reptile thing. That's fascinating. Um. I yeah I've also heard some skeptics and other people say, well, they just looked up. And they saw blue and they said, well, there must be water up there. And I, I think both could be true, right? I mean, you know, people in the ancient world didn't have this, didn't have uh, spaceships to go up and look down and see, oh, the earth is round and has an atmosphere. They just look up and see what they thought, right? So I think it can both right. be true. Yeah, I think they can both be true where it's like they just look up and see, hey, that looks like water. It's blue, right? <laughs> but also that the canopy theory can yeah. be true as well. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So, and like I said, to me, the canopy uh, explains and answers a lot of questions that you know people have had uh, between the discrepancy between science and scripture. So, yes. It, again, it answers a lot of those.
0: Yep. Absolutely. You uh, know, and I think, so, and I do think, there's an aspect to creation where we we try to. Like you said, we try to force the Bible to fit with what science says. And uh, that's where a lot of people, a lot of people have trouble is they say, well, science says this. So let me make the Bible fit to that. And you're right. It's absolutely the other way around. This is what the Bible says. And we need to look for how can the world be explained through that lens? Not, well, this is what we believe science says. So the Bible's got to get forced into that you know, square peg into a round hole, so to speak. Exactly. And, and, you know, we need to remember
1: that as valuable as science is, science is only ever <clears throat> in the present. It's not so much in the past, unless it's been recorded and it do can only guess and approximate for the future. And so, You know, and when it comes to science evaluating the past, there are a lot of assumptions that are, you know, taken for granted. Uh, One is simply that, well, things don't change, you know, Mm. everything remains the same. And so rates of erosion or growth and so forth uh, are the same, hence the idea of carbon dating and, and so on. Uh, But the fact is, is that there are too many variables to, to understand that. For example, let me give you this picture. Imagine that I'm sitting in a room and I'm peeling potatoes. And on the one side of me, I've got a pile of peeled potatoes. And on the other side, I've got a pile of unpeeled potatoes. Mm-hmm. And you sit there and you watch me, and I take a potato that's unpeeled, and it takes me two minutes to peel it, until I put it in the other pile. And so you sit there and you say, "Okay, there are twenty peeled potatoes. Takes some two minutes to peel a potato, so he's been sitting here for forty minutes mm-hmm. peeling potatoes." Okay. Well. That's good math. However, what you don't know is the variables. In other words, did I start off not really know what I'm doing and it was taking me three or four minutes to peel a potato, Mm. but now I've gotten better at it. Or did I start off doing one potato a minute, but now I'm getting tired and it's Mm. taking me two minutes right or even more so did i come in just two minutes before you showed up which you wouldn't have known and i've only peeled a couple of these potatoes and somebody else had done the rest Huh? yeah the the fact is is that science is the observation and you can only observe in the present and so while there are areas of science we can trust we can certainly trust the Bible because it's written by God who was there and doesn't have to guess or approximate. So yep. given science uh, with a hypothesis and a theory or God who is there and knows what he's talking about, uh, I'll, I'll choose God
0: uh, yep. without any problem or hesitation. I Yeah. Without a doubt. You know, you talking about science. I really I love uh, I love like space science and things that uh, they're doing always. And, you know, a couple years ago when they launched the James Webb Telescope, uh, they you know, that is looking into places of the universe that have never been looked into before. And last April, uh, they came up with an article that said that the James Webb Telescope keeps spotting galaxies that are too big to exist, scientists have claimed saying that based on their age so what they think that there's no way that they can exist based on our current theories so you're exactly right science keeps changing you know they're looking out into what they believe well this galaxy should look like this and it doesn't it's miraculously there and we can't explain why i can tell you why (laughs) we're reading it right now
1: (laughs) right absolutely yeah very good so uh And that's something we need to keep in mind, the difference between God and science, and God always wins. If we move on here, uh, we see in verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. So here God creates dry land and it appears at this point that all of the dry land is together uh at at verse 10 and the waters that were gathered together he called seas and god saw that it was good and so one of the theories of science is a theory called pangea
0: Mm,
1: pangea is the belief that at one time All the land of the earth was in one place. And you know, if you look at a world map, you you notice that it it almost looks like a puzzle that South America and Africa Mm -hmm. could fit nicely together, uh, except for the fact that there's an ocean between them, uh, and you know, some other land masses would you know fit together, and so uh, scientists say, well, was there a Pangea when all the, the land was together? And here the Bible does not disagree with that, but rather right. may substantiate that theory. Um, and you say, well, when did the land really begin to spread out? Well, again, I think the Bible explains that because the, the Bible tells us that the flood... Uh, water not only came from above, but it came from beneath and yep. it broke up the land. And mm-hmm. I believe that's when the land began to spread out uh, further and further, uh, which again makes sense when you consider the fact that after the flood, uh, after the Tower of Babel, man and animals move throughout the world uh, much more easily. You know, People yep. say, well, how could... You know, how could ancient peoples cross these oceans uh, that occupy the seven continents? Well, it would have been a much shorter distance at that time. So, uh, once again, as we've talked about today, the Bible uh, gives us the
0: answers that science only guesses at. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I mean, uh, when you really just sit down and read this text, you... Uh, Learn, you know, learn things that, you know, maybe you thought, well, the Bible and science are in conflict when they're really not.
1: No, they're not. As long as you allow the Bible to speak for itself and you then fit science into the Bible. Yeah, we do have an area here, though, beginning in verse 11 and goes through much of the rest of the creation account where. Science and scripture do disagree. Uh, And it says, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. So God now speaks and vegetation comes about. And as we look at this, we notice that this vegetation is created full grown. It's already got the seed in it. And so it's mature plants with the seeds that are going to produce more plants. But the, the key here that I want us to look at here and we find this phrase repeated again and again in this chapter, is the phrase, according to its kind, or according to their kind. And you say, well, what does that mean? That means that there's a limit in reproduction. Back in the 1700s, there was a scientist by the name of Carolus Linnaeus, and Linnaeus put together what's called the taxonomy, and mm, he split yep. it up into these categories, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, and species. And kingdom is, you know, animal and plant kingdom, and then you just yep. go down. The, the key here, I think, is to say, okay, God doesn't use that terminology here in Genesis. But he's certainly talking about limits within reproduction, uh, which, by the way, rules out evolution. Uh, But certainly, different species can reproduce. Uh, Some genuses can reproduce, families can reproduce. uh, But that's really where it seems to stop uh, as we travel up the taxonomy Uh, orders do not reproduce classes do not reproduce nor do phylums or kingdoms Uh, Hmm. and yet according to evolution everything began with a single cell uh, amoeba type creature that was neither plant nor animal and then everything evolves from that forming the both the animal and the vegetable kingdom and then you know even more evolution within there so uh, again i think it's interesting that a a christian scientist or a scientist Mm -hmm. who was a christian linnaeus uh was able to put this down as part of the scientific record of hey here's the taxonomy of how it works and you know, it's up to us today to say, well, what, where does the kind fit in? But it's hmm, obvious yep. that there are certainly limits and boundaries to reproduction. Not right. limitless evolution and mutations taking
0: place uh, as science claims today. Right. Now, I yeah, I recently uh, was, well, in for a while. And i more recently was doing this was studying just really what the theory of evolution says. And um, long story short, uh, just, it it makes no sense to me. I mean, if you just sit down and think about the theory, and is it makes absolutely no sense that it's possible. And I've come to realize the only reason that the theory exists is because uh, people needed an alternative to a divine creation. And this is yes. the only thing that they could think of. And it's based on the science of one man who said, I saw some finches with different beaks and saw a uh, true scientific uh, phenomenon known as microevolution. It observed it, which it does happen within yes. species um, and saw that and said, well, since that happens within species, that must be happen one species becoming another, which has never not only been observed, but it's never been proven. So right. I think that that theory simply exists as a uh as an alternative to uh to creationism and otherwise is just really flimsy and weak science.
1: Yeah. And I've often said that at least to me, it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does in creation by a divine absolutely. creator.
0: I absolutely so. agree with that.
1: Once yeah, again, one of the we things, come
0: back to the Bible giving us the truth. Yes, exactly. Yep. And one of the things I tell, you know, when they look at, well, you look at all the similar like bone structures between animals and, well, they must have all had a common ancestor. And what I always uh, give the analogy, you know, I say, let's say you're driving down the road and you see a bunch of vehicles, uh, cars, trucks, SUVs, and they all have on the front of them a little bow tie symbol. You know, what are you going to tell me? Are you going to, you know, you're going to look at that and you're going to say, oh, those are all Chevrolet vehicles. And uh, well, they must have all had one common car ancestor that they came from. No, (laughs) what you're going to say is they must have all been made by the same person. Right. The same company. And so when we see these similarities between species, it's not because they had a common ancestor. It's because they had a common creator. Right. Absolutely.
1: Well, hey, guess what? We got through the first three days, just like we had hoped to do.
0: All right. We've explored how God filled or sorry, formed the formless earth. And so, yeah, I think next time we will explore how God filled the earth uh, with uh, creatures and lights and things like that. All right. Sounds great. Can't wait. Everybody, thank you for joining us uh, today. We hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next time. God bless.